Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. Today we're talking about quiet quitting with Adam Tarno. Adam, welcome brother. It's good hey. to have you back. Great to be back. <laughs> if you don't know, uh, Adam Tarno was uh, the co-host here for, I don't know, episode one through 70, 80, something yeah, like that. Yeah, all the good ones. Uh, all the... All the <laughs> <laughs> All the highest rated and reviewed uh, sessions. Um, you know, actually, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's totally. I think we were we were close to like seventy or seventy five episodes. Yeah, it was a lot. I, it was a lot of fun. I sailed. Yeah. So now I'm sitting here in your world headquarters. Yes. Uh, AdamTarno.com. Welcome. And uh, and we didn't catch up kind of relationally for a second, but good summer. Uh, you guys ticked off another uh, ballpark. We did. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah. 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 Because uh, we went to the Rangers ballpark too, but I forgot we did that last year, which is technically a new one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we made it out to Arizona. We got to see the Diamondbacks. Yeah. We were going to go to Seattle. We started pricing that out. I don't know. Seattle really likes their city <laughs> <laughs> and the hotels really like their city. And so um, I don't know, this may be a newsflash for people, but when you go to Arizona in the summer, not a bad time. It, that's that's not their peak season. A yeah. lot of Christian organizations will have their uh, conferences there in you know in Phoenix because it's, yes. it's so cheap. And when you get there, you realize when it's 130 degrees. And it wasn't. So now, I mean, Dallas this summer was very hot. So yeah. the week we were out there, the weather was better than it was oh, here. Gosh. So we just got okay. lucky with all that. But yeah, so we got to see Diamondback. So I think we're up to 12. I love it. New stadiums, you throw in the Rangers, it's 13. And yeah. um, here's the challenge we're facing now is there's only one or two ballparks left that we actually are super excited to I see. I get it. I get it. And so we're like, oh, gosh, now, I mean, <laughs> I won't name any cities that we don't want to go Tampa. to. <laughs> Oakland. That may, you said that, <laughs> not me. Uh, one that rhymes with, I won't even say it. So uh, up in the uh, up in Michigan area. Um, so I don't know, like, how did you maintain that momentum? Here's what I would say. Uh, it's all about expectations because you ex- you're expecting those ballparks to be horrific yeah. and a waste of your time and, uh, and ticket money. And I think there's an inverse correlation uh, there okay. because actually uh, Oakland is so uniquely bad that I liked it. Tampa Bay feels like a double A stadium with, yes. uh, with stingrays out there <laughs> and the, the, you know, the, um, the bottom is kind of like a, a skating rink, a, a bad eighties skating rink. Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. concourse. And so, uh, and it felt like we were walking into the state fair and we walked in and I actually ended up liking it Yeah, and uh, I understand why it's number 20, why those are generally 29, yeah. 30. So anyway, well, I love the but quest. Hey, the, yeah. um, Arizona was my favorite indoor stadium so far. There you go. I, there was something about it that it felt cause it's not new. So it had some character to yeah. it that I really liked it. We had a good time there. I love it. Yeah, I love it. We talked a lot more about baseball than I thought we would here. <laughs> um, other things to catch up on. I am looking here at your book. You are. Uh, that just came out. Yes. The Edge, How to Stand Out by Showing Your All In. Yes. And uh, it's a physical copy and holding it in my hand. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, talk about that just for a second before yeah, the, we get going. The gestation period for this is like that of an elephant, right? <laughs> Don't they... They uh, gestate for a really long time. Somebody will look that up on Google. It's like way longer than a uh, than a human. Right. So yeah, we David and I started writing writing the book in January of twenty one, and then it released finally in September of twenty two. Okay. And so man, it was just a long time. So you and I were talking before we hit record. I don't know if this is the end now yeah. that it's out. Is uh-huh. it the beginning? And I think where I am is this is the middle. Yeah. Uh, this That's is like right. mile thirteen of a marathon. 
where now you get to go around and talk about it and try to, you know, get people, get the message out there in front of people. So yeah. uh, I'm grateful to be here today talking about it. this and thank you for letting me uh, talk. But yeah, we did an, an episode on it um, a few months ago yeah. and had people just say, hey, stay tuned, stay tuned. And now it is available. So yeah. you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and you can pick it up. Love it. Well, I haven't read the book. I, you know, I looked at some of your early, uh, early writings on it, but yeah, episode 101 is when okay. we talked about it. Yeah. And this would actually be interesting for leaders. Episode 53 is when some of those first concepts yeah. kind of came out. So you can actually watch, you know, I, I didn't listen uh, to either one of those, but you could probably watch the um, development of an idea, which is it really is generally how all great things uh, happen is that you throw them out there, you see that they kind of hit a little bit, mm -hmm. and then you refine them. So that in of itself would be a great exercise. But uh, both of those episodes have done really, really well. People, you know, both uh, leaders as well as those that they lead, it, it's just resonated yeah. both. So excited for this book. Go pick it up. Amazon, buy 9 billion copies. I don't know if that would yeah. yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> 8 billion people on the, on the uh, planet. But uh, those, those thoughts have been helpful. So congratulations, brother. Okay. Um, today, we're talking about quiet quitting. Yeah, and which is relevant with this topic, Absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you define quiet quitting, what it is, and then let's jump into uh, how we should think yeah, about it. Yeah, it's kind of a trendy social media hashtag thing. I mean, the New York Times in August of 22 put an article out there, and the, in the very beginning of the article, they were quoting people from TikTok, okay? So this is something that was starting to trend on TikTok, but, but nonetheless, so when... Uh, the TikTokers are talking about it. Here's where all it, great ideas are, you know, are, uh, generated. Yeah. That's right. So this is what they're talking about. You know, this idea of quiet quitting where you don't outright quit your job, yep. but you quit the idea of going above and beyond. Uh, another person was quoted as saying, you still perform your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be our life. And so what I like about this is it, it is bringing a conversation to the forefront that I think is really good. This is a really healthy conversation. It's certainly the marketers behind the phrase are capturing our attention because it's got two words. And, and, you know, first of all, that idea of quitting, but doing it secretively uh, or <laughs> slyly, you know, doing it quietly, there's certainly, you're going to get some reactions yeah. out of people. So yeah. they, they picked a phrase that really is drawing some interest. And I've been having a ton of great conversations with yeah. people about it, both uh, those that would be emerging leaders and then those that are leaders of those emerging leaders. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about yeah. today. And I've, I'm seeing like we, when I sit down at a table with uh, those who are in their 20s, they, they know that phrase as well as those into their, you know, 50s, 60s who are leading yeah. you know, 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, so everyone is really aware uh, of that phrase. And yep. if they're not aware of that phrase, they're absolutely aware of the phenomenon. They can yep. tell you, I didn't know what to call it, but now I do. Yep. And uh, so it, it is. It's been thing. around a while. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so let's just talk about that. I mean, how, how's it showing up in organizations and how should we even like really think about that? Yeah. And like we were just joking about, I mean, I think it has been around for decades. Yeah. I mean, everybody has gone through these seasons. If I think about my career, I can think about seasons where I was doing this. I didn't have a phrase for it, but it was, I'm going to take my foot off the gas just for a little bit to really try to reflect and see what do I, do I like this job? Do I like this career? Do I need to make a change? So in some instances, when I read about quiet quitting, I go, I, I've done that. I would have never called it quitting. I mean, I was always trying to perform my duties with excellence, but nonetheless, I mean, I think we've, we've been through, or there's a lot of people that can identify with it. I think it just highlights again, just this fragile, tenuous relationship that always exists between employees and employers, yeah. right? We need each other. Uh, we have to have each other, but we're humans. And so you put us in a room, we're not always getting along. 
it's always been a fragile relationship. There's been some power struggles that go back and forth over the years. That'd be a fascinating study just to watch that pendulum swing over the years. Currently, when we're recording this in the fall of 22, it looks like the pendulum is a little bit over on the employee side right now with labor shortages and um, great resignation and all that kind of stuff. So business leaders that I'm talking to, organization leaders I'm talking to, this is top of mind. This is keeping them up at night. They don't know where they're going to find a great talent to help them accomplish the big things that they feel like they want to accomplish with their organization. So I think there's some, um, some interest in this. Uh, they feel a little helpless with all this. And then obviously this, this idea that maybe they've got this whole group of their workforce that has secretly quit behind their back. There's not a lot of business leaders that are, or organization leaders that are excited to hear about that. Yeah, well, it, it is a thing, and uh, and you just you know, anytime you click on any of those articles, you'll start to hear, uh, you know, about people who are working remotely and they're getting paid for 40, 50 hours a week, and they um, they wake up late, you know, yeah. they work out, they um, they log in on their phones just to make sure they reply to anything, and they work you know ten to fifteen hours a week and collect the same paycheck. And yeah. I even uh, I don't can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but. Um, even read about a guy that um, you might think he's genius and not, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, not really lazy, but he um, he actually had two jobs because they weren't uh, incredibly demanding, and so uh, you know, high paying, think like you know, six figure um, yeah. kind of IT type job, th- those type of things, and he outsourced uh, both of those overseas. So he was collecting two full paychecks, you know, uh, stateside, and then, and then for pennies on the dollar, having other people, um, yeah. you know, do those, and then just kind of from the beach or wherever he was, uh, just managing those projects. So that there, there's something that's going. I think has to do some of it with the remoteness. Yeah, um, I think people. You know, coming out out of the uh, the pandemic, you've got people that are really just kind of uh, evaluating everything, including their life and how they want to spend the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Uh, I think that's a thing. I think there is uh, culturally, there's something that's shifted. I remember when you know when I started at Watermark twenty two years ago, like there was only you know ten of us, and we worked so hard. Yeah, we worked, um, and it was our joy to honestly. I I don't ever remember feeling uh, like I had to, but uh, we would you know work a full day, then we'd coach our kids' teams, and we'd hang out with our spouses, then we put everybody down, and we'd work. We'd start our second work day, and it was a lot of fun. And um, but that that's not so much culturally what's going on uh, these days. Okay, so since that's not the case, like if you know if I am an organizational leader, I'm a pastor. Um, there's people that are on my team. How, how should I think about that? You know, let's talk about them. And then let's also talk about employees. Uh, and then let's get to the, at the very end, let's, let's spend some time thinking about, uh, what if that's me? What if I'm the one that's quiet quitting? Um, what, what should I do? So, yeah. so just for, for the organizational leader, you know, Adam, how, how should we be thinking about this? What should we be doing? What could we be doing? Is there even an opportunity here? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of realities that we need to define, right? That's one of the things we do as leaders is we define reality. And so I think one of the realities that we've got to come to grips with is this idea is that right now things are different than when you started your career, it's period. Good. It's good. No discussion. It just, it's different. Uh, not better, not worse or the jury's out on if it's going to be better or worse. It's just we're early in this new season, but we just have to recognize it's different. So you can sit around and just complain and be like, well, it's all Twitter's fault, or, you know, it's those phones. <laughs> it or probably is. Those video games and whatever. I mean, that that's never worked. That's never been a great solution it's to good. generational it's differences. Good. And good. so just go, okay, it's different. So what can I learn? And I like this idea of the word conversation. How can I take this moment 
and turn it into some really great conversations with my team. I think you'll be surprised. So if you as a organizational or team leader, just start talking to your team about mm. quiet quitting. Hey, mm. what are you all hearing about this? Does anybody here feel like maybe that's describing them? Because at the end, I, I really, if we're just going to believe that most people have mildly good intent, let, let's just for argument's mm -hmm. sake, mm -hmm. let's like even go better, that they have decent intent yep. with yep. all this. They're not trying to be subver subversive and mean and go, I'm going to really get back at my boss. I'm going to quiet quit, right? It, there's there's probably some confusion, some some uh, thing that you can learn about what they value in life, yeah. and you can help them learn how to uncover that and talk about that. So I think things are different. Use this as an opportunity for great conversations. We also got to remember that headlines don't describe everyone. So just because it's something's good. trending on social media does not mean it's everybody. In fact, most of the conversations I have with young leaders right now are not how can I do less. They're, they're how, how should I think about my career? How can I keep getting ahead? I mean, see also the book David and I wrote. I mean, yeah. we wrote that because we believe there are some young leaders that still want to be career-minded without selling their soul, stabbing somebody in the back, you know, selling out, and right. they can still be who they are and be authentic in that. Um, and I think for, for leaders right now, just one other last point is just the opportunity to coach and develop that we have right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we remember what it's like to possibly be 23, 24, 25 years old and realize you majored in the wrong thing in college. Huh. And now now you're stuck in this industry and you're going, I don't know if I want to be in corporate finance anymore. I don't know if I want to be a social worker anymore. I don't know if I want to be a nurse anymore. I don't know if I want to be a teacher. You are God's man and woman in that in that young leader's life right now to help coach and guide them. And so if we really do take a long view of what it means to be a leader and how we can take initiative for the benefit of others and leaving people better than we found them, engaging in these conversations, even if it leads to somebody possibly leaving your organization or finding a new job within your organization, maybe they leave your team, that just feels like the right thing to do as a leader who really does care about people. And so I think we've got a great opportunity in the midst of all this. This is real. Um, engaging conversations. It doesn't describe everybody, but now's a great time to coach. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that, yeah, that's some of the things that we're seeing. Uh, I would, I'm just trying to rattle off a few of the things that I think I feel like have shifted. Let's just pick a timeline, 15 years, uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, so one is this idea of work-life balance. Yep. That's much more of a thing uh, than it would have been, you know, say for me 20 years ago. And yep. uh, uh, that, that's, just, that's just very, very front and center. Another one is uh, meaning in work. Right, so maybe your grandparents were just thrilled to have a job uh, coming out of the Great Depression. They could feed themselves and their family. They they would do anything. Well, today um, there is a bit of a sense of like, oh, this needs to matter. Yeah. This needs to. I need to be have some type of uh, fulfillment. And so, uh, that both of those actually could be uh, really really good. And then I think that the third thing is this desire to be developed mm. um, that I'm just seeing with uh, with with young leaders. Um, always been the case, but there was a sense probably you would pick it up on the fly yeah. um, and you would, uh, you would watch and you would study and, and, um, and just, just through osmosis and also trial and error, you would figure these things out. And now I really do sense that uh, young leaders, young employees, they want to be uh, developed yep. and, um, and, and probably a, a subset of that, they want a relationship with those that they, they work with. They now. really they do. do yeah. They don't want to be a cog in your machine. 
And, and so I think your answer is, um, you know, it's not a very complex one. And sometimes the, the simplest answers are the best is just to have a conversation yeah. uh, about that. And uh, uh, that really does ring true to me. Um, this week, I grabbed all the women that are on my immediate team. And we just sat down and I said, um, you know, we've, I've done this before, but what is it like to be a woman here on this team? You know, we're mm. in a church context, so a lot more male leaders than female leaders. Uh, what's that like? What do I not see? Uh, how can I help? What do you, you know, not have that you wish you had? And, and it was, it was, it was great. And, yep. you know, uh, there was a couple action items. There's, there's someone that I'm going to connect them with to meet with. Um, but I think as much as anything, it was just the conversation yeah. and I'm like, well, let's talk about this. What, yeah. what, what could, what could I do? Uh, what am I not aware of? Um, that you could make me aware of that would make you love what you do even more. Right. And, and that's, that was the conversation this week. And it's not like, okay, I had that conversation. Now I'll have that again in five yes. years. No, it's just an yes. ongoing conversation about topics that are really important and being able to engage in those. And that, I mean, because you, you're going to learn things right. in the midst of that and just go, oh, I hadn't even thought about it that way. Yes. So every year on our review, uh, it's, uh, you know, kind of job satisfaction one to 10. That's a good one you should probably know yep. uh, for everybody. So, and, and at some level that where they are, it, it matters, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what's the gap between here and 10. Yeah. And, you know, some of it might be, I'd, I'd love three times more salary or I'd yep. love to be, I love a corner office with two admins. Well, there's some things that, you know, <laughs> not going to happen, but, but yeah, some I of want the, you to be my admin, right, John. Right. And, uh, but some of the things, um, you know, are really easy Yeah, and, and you wouldn't know unless you just had the conversation Yeah, and uh, you start to, to give. And then as a, you know, as a leader, it, it's, um, you know, it's fair to ask, uh, some, but if yep. all you do is ask and there's no give, then people aren't going to probably stand on the balls of their feet and bring their best, yep. you know, uh, all of that. And, and it's also good. Uh, I think I just love what you said. Hey, things have, have changed. And, um, uh, I do think we have to be careful. I have to be careful. How about this? I'll talk to myself about not just demanding all out, all in everything you have, all your best, uh, of people and uh, to play the long game uh, with them and to, to care uh, about them. And say, yeah. I'd, lo I'd love you to be productive at whatever it is that you're good at for the next 50 years, not just this little two-year window that you're going to be uh, on my team where I can wring out all you have to give. I want to set you up and, um, you know, I'll die before you do, but I want you to come to my funeral uh, be with joy, uh, you know, and not disdain and go, yep. you know what, he set me up for yep. uh, those two years, five years I was with him. He set me up really, really well. And I learned a lot. And now I am where I am in part, in part, uh, because I was around him. I think that would be the way to live the, the kind of the envisioned, uh, envisioned future. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, John, as you're saying all that, it just reminds me of, I, I think we need to not be mad if people think about their vocation differently than That's us. So good. Right. So because good. how many times if, if you were going to ask me, um, Adam, what does it take to be successful? Okay, I'm probably going to look back on my own life yep. rather than just go, well, you know what? Let's get Tim Ferriss's book, Tools of the Titans. I think he got all the successful people in there. It's a big book, but I think that's the secret. It's yeah. in there of him yeah. talking about it. No, I'm probably going to go back and just look at my life and go, well, here's what I did. I graduated with this. I worked this. This was my. And so we all kind of fall into that trap of believing our way is the way. And we just have to remember our way was one way. And so, so if we are really focused so on results 
and the output, there are multiple ways to get there. And, uh, and it's okay for, to allow. Now, this doesn't make it easier, right, for a leader that's like, well, but I want you here from 9 to 5, and I want you not to be remote. I want you to be in the office. And, and I think the key with all of this right now is going to be, and I'll quote the great Barbara Bush, that compromise is not a dirty word, right? Like, I just don't know. <laughs> That's if, Barbara Bush yes, said that? Yes. I feel like that? I need some credibility when okay. I say that. So she's awesome. And so, um, and I feel like nobody's going to get their way 100%, yes. right? And so there's going to have to be some aspect of compromise, which is where you can also look at this whole situation and go, this is pretty exciting just to see what... What are we going to create yeah. in the midst of all of this and how are organizations going to be different for the better? Because we still need organizations. We still need teams because there's still, um, you know, like so many problems out there that need to be solved. The teams still need to be healthy. And I bet we can figure out a few tweaks and different ways to do things where people don't feel like they're, you know, selling out and 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 giving everything up yeah. and um, and still come to some great solutions. I love it. Uh, that's so good. There is a principle of the path that you can, you know, get around people who are where you want to be and ask them how they got there. That that's absolutely a thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a really interesting idea. Is that a lot of times we we tend to lead, guide, counsel based on ours, as if that is the one true path. Yeah. And um, that's really good. That yeah. And so I think we do. Like I think uh, I think Daniel gives us a great example biblically, right, where he wanted to do something different with the eating plan that was being presented, and so. He, he ran a short experiment. He asked first, yeah. and so maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here to the emerging leader. He, he respectfully said, can we try this diet for this period of time and then judge results, yeah. right? I think there's a great, you know, that's a great um, metaphor or principle in there that if we want to see some changes, um, ask respectfully, run short experiments, and then measure results. Yeah. And if the results are, are there, then great. You maybe just stumbled across a, a new way of doing things that's still going to give you some great results. And so I, th I think we've got some examples in there that I could be helpful it. on how to handle all this. Okay, well, let's talk, let's talk to the person. Let's talk to the emerging leader. Let's talk to you know, the 55-year-old uh, leader that's thinking about one of his last pushes. Um, and they're thinking about quitting. And they, they're like, I didn't know what to call that, but I, I'm feeling that. Yeah. I'm, feel, I'm finding myself downshifting. Uh, I'm not going to quit outright, but I just find myself bringing less energy, less creativity, less drive. I'm, yeah. will, I'm less willing to go the extra mile. Um, I, I'm less willing to put my best ideas out there, let someone else take credit for them because the organization, the church will win. Um, Let's talk to him yeah. uh, for a minute because I think there's a lot of them. And uh, Barna, I, I know you've seen that research, but uh, 38%, 38% of pastors have uh, thought about quitting mm. uh, in the last year. That was 2001 uh, data. And it's actually, you're talking about emerging leaders, it's actually worse for those who are younger. Yeah. So if, I think if you're uh, <clears throat> sub 45, uh, it's 40, 46% was the number. 46% yeah. if you're under 45. That's, yeah. that's half. Yeah. Half of young pastors church leaders are thinking about quitting. Yeah. So what, what, what do we have to offer them? Well, I, I think it's, it's, um, it's going to take a little bit of internal work on the person who is feeling that disillusionment, that confusion. Um, and, and here, if I, um, let me, let me do what I just said. Most leaders do and see, but see if it's helpful. Okay. <laughs> so in these situations, uh, John, when I've been confused, thinking about a transition, feeling burnt out, whatever it is, I go through two phases. Number one is I pick all the external things that I want to blame 
about the culture, Tough. about the environment, about the workplace. You know, it's the accounting industry in general. Right. This is ridiculous that we have busy seasons. Why do we have busy seasons? I'm rebelling against CPA busy seasons, right? <laughs> you can imagine how well those conversations right. went uh, because little old Adam's not going to, you know, uh, change the industry. But really what I was talking about, what I thought was my rebellion against the industry was really just an indicator of my core values. Mm-hmm. I, I want a job that has a little bit more predictability on the busy. I'm, I'm okay. I'd rather, rather than having an espresso shot of busyness in the first quarter of the year, I'd rather have that spread out. Okay. Yeah. And you mix that with a culture of abundance and choice that we've got right now. And I think that's a key part of all of this, choice. right? Is that there's choice. Uh, jobs start going away, and I bet quiet quitting, those, those articles go away. But anyway, there's a lot of jobs right now. So, uh, so we have choice, and with choice, you know, we're all at the top of Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. And, and so I, that, that piece, when I, when I quit rebelling against all the industry things, I started to realize, no, if I'm going to have this conversation and have it be productive, I just need to talk about, and it's going to sound weird, me. Here's what I, here's what I value. Hmm. Uh, these are things I'm learning about what I think are my strengths, what I, um, you know, the work-life balance that I want or this type of thing. And so because I value this and I have choice, I'm going to do this. Right. And so when I left the accounting industry to go on staff, those were the conversations I had. I didn't go in and just go, Adam, why are you leaving? Because public accounting sucks and it's this terrible industry and you guys are running people you know, into the ground. It was like, no, I, Jackie and I, at this season of our life, this is what we value. Yep. This is the type of work because I have a choice. If given the choice, I think I'd rather do this type of work right now. And so this is why we are doing that. So you've got to go through that and have that conversation and be able to articulate what is it that I really value and what do I want? What am I looking for? If given the choice, what am I looking it's for? Really and how can I keep it really focused on that? Because if you if you start attacking the organization and the culture and the then I just think that's now you're going to get into an argument that nobody's going to win and it's just not going to be a productive conversation. Okay. I really, really like, that's not where I would have started, but I really like uh, that starting place because uh, maybe if I could just use a metaphor to explain what you just said um, uh, in that you, you're hearkening back to your early days in public accounting. Um, that was, uh, you can think about it as a smoke alarm. Yeah. And so, you know, the tendency is to yell at the smoke alarm mm. and said, go, what was it that triggered that, good. Uh, those alarm bells? Right. So um, for you, if you go, I, you know, I don't like this, you know, you're getting this, the flashing light or the beeping sound. Um, you're just immediate, you know, <laughs> uh, take us to take the batteries out or just make it make it stop, you yeah. know, or yell at the alarm. And what it's done is it's, it's triggered something inside of you and say, no, that's not what I value I, or uh, maybe not what I'm best at, not what brings me life, not what I feel like a call of God is on my life. And so I need, right. I need to address that. Now, yeah. this you just it's such a farce to think that you can always have everything 100 percent optimized uh, in your life that that will get you into a lot of, a lot trouble. of trouble. But I, I think it's I think that's really good. OK, why, why do I why would I before I just start to make the pain go away yeah. and make the alarm stop beeping? What is going on? Um, I, that what's going to serve me best before I make the pain go away is to figure out what that is. I yep. think that is a great place. Yeah. Great place yeah. to start. And then you, again, you, you're just, then I, I, let's go back to Daniel. Then you want to have conversations. You want to ask questions. You want to run small experiments. And, and I think in the end of all of this, like, um, for some, 
you, you may just have to accept some consequences uh, of this, which is, okay, this industry may not be for you. Yeah. Or, um, okay, well, if you only want to work that hard, then I just want to let you know career progress is going to have a ceiling on it. Yeah. But listen, if this is what you want, then this is the way, this is reality at this organization. Yeah. And so what, what I think that an emerging leader just needs to be careful of is just a lot of entitled, I want my cake and eat it yep. too. And, um, and so uh, there's that. A um, couple good. other thoughts about just uh, normal career progress, always having a valley of trash uh, is what I, that's the kind way of saying yeah. it. I mean, uh, you start off, I like to think about, you know, you start off your, your career, you don't realize it, but you're standing on a hill and you're overlooking a valley at a mountain, okay? And the hill, you don't know it at the time, but the hill is called the hill of ignorance because you don't know what you're doing. You can't really add a ton of value to your organization. Yeah. And you look over at this mountain across this valley, this mountain of success, and you go, huh, that's just right there, right? I'll, I'll just get right there. Well, you gotta walk through this valley yeah. of trash. And <clears throat> I just don't know an industry or uh, a profession that doesn't have the valley of trash yeah. and so you've just gotta you just gotta go through it and that may be a, a coaching opportunity that you have in the midst of all these conversations as an older leader is helping a younger leader realize go pick another industry you're yeah. just going to keep showing up on the hill of ignorance yeah. you're never going to get to the mountain of success whatever that is for you without going through the valley of hard difficult and the valley of trash typically lasts a couple years longer than you want it to that's so good. That's always the journey. I mean, trash, or it could be just hardship, disillusionment, uh, any of those kind mm -hmm. of things. We, we've got categories for that for everybody except ourselves. Mm -hmm. So at, um, if a professional athlete, we understand that they have practiced so much more than we can yeah. even comprehend. They've been in the weight room, and they have done all the drills, and they've studied all the... Um, and know, then let's go back to baseball. Then they're in double A, and right. the, or single right. A, then right. double A, and then triple A, and it's... Right. That's their valley of trash. So everybody, so everyone we look, you know, everyone we look at, we go, that's how they got there. But for us, we just somehow feel like we should just be able to skip uh, right yeah. over that, take a hang glider over that valley and just land up on the, on the mountain. And wherever you are, if you're in that valley, it is just, it is part of the process. Yeah. And we talk about a lot of, you know, Old Testament leaders on this podcast and they, they all have that. And you're going to have to, uh, you have to learn to endure. And, um, and two so, ways to skip the valley of trash. All right. Number no. one. Uh, stumble into a viral video, okay? So just something ridiculous happens and you can go viral. Right. Or number two is probably video games. Okay. But other than that, in How the real so with video games, because you, you can just play? find cheat codes and oh, I got you. you can get success so easy. And then you just go from like, oh, I just got this game on Friday and on Sunday right. I, I destroyed it or beat the game. Other than that, for, for everything else, so you can either go around looking to become viral yes. <laughs> or just play video games all day. So, That's about yeah, it. Other, those, everybody else goes through the valley. Those of us that are older uh, and NES, Nintendo, the Game Genie, I think is what it was called, you know, that had all the hacks. And so there yeah. is not, there is not uh, unless outside of a viral video, there's not that for uh, your career. So yeah. a couple things I've been saying recently, uh, Adam, I um, actually had someone listen to the podcast, um, kind of came to me with a question somewhat related to this. And I asked him kind of what was their why? Like, why, mm -hmm. why do you do what you do? And uh, and feeling like if you... Uh, if you don't have a, your why hmm. clear, uh, you won't be able to push through that, that right. valley. Yeah. And so, you know, so for me, I'm a pastor. You, 
anyone who's not a pastor is probably going to go, well, it's easy for you. Um, maybe. Uh, I do. I feel a call of God in my life that I can't really uh, shake yeah. um, to do what I can during this season to create healthy leaders and healthy churches. So but play my part in that. So that I can't, I feel bound in a way that wouldn't make sense to most people. So that's part of my why. Uh, but also, I understand that if I can just do a little bit to make either one of those two happen, um, man, there is a downstream effect that will go on for generations. And uh, and I find myself, um, when I'm kind of centered around that idea, uh, viewing this as an amazing opportunity uh, to serve others, to make generational impacts. This is incredible, right? Now, if I don't, then I am returning emails, going to meetings, um, looking at content, solving problems, you know, helping people that are yeah. um, that, that need my time. But if I if I understand the why, then all of that completely reframes everything that's on my plate. Sure. And um, and and so you can do that even if you're you know you're not in ministry. And I just I just bought uh, you know re-upped our, our life insurance, and uh, so that my wife, if you know if I die, doesn't have to move in with you and Jackie, you know, my <laughs> yes. kids and my dog. And so you know you pr- appreciate that. But think about the incredible the why of an insult insurance salesman he's still got to sell he's still got to wake up but if he gets that right you know think about the peace of mind that he's providing for me think about what a teacher does that Mm -hmm. she could walk in every day and go i don't know who it is but someone in this classroom they're going to change the world and i get to play a small part this is incredible otherwise they're just a bunch of you know uh squirrels who are distracted and make your life crazy right but if you're if you're why if your why is big and compelling and clear, and it could be for really anything, and if you're 22 years old and you're, you're a, an analyst that's just, you're not even on the ladder yet, you, your why is I'm developing skills, I'm developing work ethic, I'm learning things so that someday I can lead at higher levels, provide for my family, make the world a better place, you know, honor, honor Christ. Uh, and then always, always part of your why could be the who that you work with. and. Um, you know, we need missionaries in, uh, you know, in the insurance industry, in, uh, this, um, in the, in the schools, all those kinds of things. You can always, you can always find that. Uh, if I think you asked very specifically about the pastors, yeah. young and old who are maybe sitting there feeling disillusioned. I, I, I think what I would say to them, having stepped away from full-time vocational, yep. being a professional Christian for two years, uh, now is like, let's just not confuse where we get the paycheck from with with our real mission in life and we're married to the mission and we lightly date or we're casually dating everything else you know and there's a lot of change that's going on and maybe the disillusionment that some may be feeling it's just this this current chapter of the american evangelical church right and and what we do know is the church is going nowhere it's going nowhere but the forms and the way it looks could be changing drastically right now under our feet. And so uh, I, th- I, I think you can uh, feel some hope in the midst of all that, that, yeah, maybe the paycheck won't come from blank, blank Baptist church or Methodist church or whatever it is. But that doesn't mean that you no longer have a call on your life or that you're not on mission. It just may be changing or morphing. And you may be a church leader in some other context, and it's it's okay, right? So there may be some of that that they possibly are feeling too. Yeah, well, rather than thinking about this as you know something bad, something unsettling, something to react against, maybe this is the precursor. Yeah. Maybe this is just the, the tremors of something new, different, and potentially that. even better. John, it is that it is that way of thinking right there that you just did. Uh, you know, of of being having been a friend of yours for. 22 years or 20 years now. Yeah, I moved here 20 years ago. Uh, that's one of the 
like the biggest impacts you've had on my life is being able to look at scary situations like this and say what you just said, right? And so even a lot of the things with this right now that we talked about today, this is stuff you've taught me how to look at, at cultural issues like this and go, probably not that, probably not this, it's probably over here. And it's just getting us ready for something next, man. Yeah. So that was that was really well said. And I just I appreciate how well you've lived this. You, you really have done this well. And um, and so I think hopefully today will be an encouragement to I a lot it. of people. I love it. Well, Adam's got his book. Um, you can pick that up. And I think it'll be helpful to you, your organization. Uh, and thank you for not quitting. If you're yeah. listening to this and you haven't quit, I just, uh, I've said it multiple times, but I just increasingly find myself holding people in high regard who have led through this season. So if you're mm-hmm. you know, one of the 45% who's thought about quitting and you haven't, you hung on uh, for the greater good as a just kind of obedience to Christ, of Colossians 3, just doing it as unto the Lord, I, I just hold you in high regard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want you to keep going. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach us at clp at watermark.org. That's clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.